You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, it's Friday, July 15th, and this is the College Football Daily. I'm Brendan Marcello. Conference realignment is still a hot topic, and despite the college football world quieting down in the wake of USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten two weeks ago, everyone is still on alert for the next domino to fall. The biggest domino left on the board is Notre Dame. The Irish are the ultimate prize on the board. But as the independent team and a big-time national brand, we begin to wonder, is there actually any value in joining a conference? And would such a move, if it were to happen, be imminent? To get a much better idea of what the future holds, let's talk to Notre Dame insider Tim Priester of Irish Illustrated. Tim, thanks for joining us. So, in a very elementary understanding of all this, Notre Dame is a big piece on the board, but why is it that Notre Dame is that big piece, and would it actually make sense for Notre Dame to join a conference? Yeah, Brennan, I don't know if they're the domino that's about to fall, but uh, but certainly they're on tap. I, I think in the short term, Notre Dame remains an independent, but long term, uh, I think it's going to be very difficult. And part of that is that Notre Dame is leaving money on the table on a yearly basis as an independent. I think most people think that Notre Dame, as an independent with their NBC contract, that they make more than they would if they were in a conference that's 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 not true uh and then the other thing is that you know Notre Dame's tie-in with the ACC the Big Ten and the SEC pay out more to their uh to their constituency and that would probably grow as the size of those conferences grow so you know especially I I always throw this in especially post-pandemic Notre Dame and I don't think any school is in a position to leave money on the table and and as we look at it right now you know, there's probably 20, 25, 30 million on the table that Notre Dame is not collecting as an independent uh, slash as a part of the ACC. The ACC just does not pay out as much as the Big Ten and the SEC. So it makes sense long term. Notre Dame has fought it. I grew up in South Bend. And I think everybody here always thought that Notre Dame could remain an independent, but we couldn't imagine you know, the twists and turns of the college game. And, and, and uh, you know, when, when Texas and Oklahoma announced or when the SEC announced that they would be joining them in a couple of years, that was one thing. When USC and UCLA with the Big Ten eliminated and rubbed away all the borders, uh, that, that changed a lot of things. So we're, we're headed to major you know, sized conferences, how soon all that happens. I, I can't answer that, but I think Notre Dame ultimately is going to have to be there. They'll be in a position where it just makes more sense to be a part of a conference. Yeah. You're talking about the finances and I was looking, trying to figure this all out. You know, Notre Dame, that NBC contract gets, I guess about maybe $15 million a year from that. And then the ACC pays them a little bit for the other sports, because as, as some people might not know, most of Notre Dame's other sports are in the ACC other than football and of course in hockey so they're leaving a lot of money on the table at least what we can see from tax documents and everything and we're getting to a point now where the Big Ten and the SEC at least according to projections from Navigate it was a great research firm they're going to be paying out maybe more than a hundred million dollars to teams and based off the sources I've been talking to in the business with this expansion going on we might be actually approaching closer to 150 million here before the end of this decade which is substantial so I'll ask I lead it into this with that financial picture in place. Notre Dame's NBC contract, I think, ends after 2025. So if Notre Dame were like, hey, let's try to remain independent here for another five, 10 years or whatever, what kind of value would 
their own media rights have in the open market if they were to remain independent? Well, that's a good question. If you put it up for bid, I, I think uh, a, a couple other people will put put bids in there. I think one way or another, you know, the whole thing about with Notre Dame was we're going to remain independent as long as we have a TV partner, uh, as long as Notre Dame has a, a, a shot at being part of the whole national title picture, which they, they've had. And then the third factor was whether it was viable financially. Uh, and so that's where they're lagging. I would imagine if you, you put it up for bid, um, you know, NBC might be outbid. Who knows? I, I don't know. That That's a good situation. For Notre Dame and whoever Notre Dame ends up being tied with, probably the Big Ten, but whoever ends up being tied with, because uh, now you get another player in the in the TV package. So that's probably more than I mean, fully conceptualizing what direction that goes and how much they get and who bids what. That that's beyond my comprehension right now. But there's a lot of steps, and as I've been saying through this whole process, there's so many layers to go. Uh, in the whole process, not only for Notre Dame, but just college football in general. You know, who's going to make up the SEC? Uh, Florida State, Miami, Clemson, I'm sure that those are desirable commodities for the SEC. I've had a lot of people say, well, you know, why can't Notre Dame propose such and such to the ACC and pull this team away? Because Clemson, Florida State, Miami, to, to name three, are probably inclined to go to the SEC and then that that shoots apart the ACC. So from from your standpoint, what conference, if Notre Dame were to try and maybe join here in the, in the coming years, makes the most sense? Is it the ACC, the Big Ten, or maybe a quote-unquote wild card like the SEC? Yeah, I, I think in a perfect world, from Notre Dame's perspective, or at least from the perspective of Jack Swarbrick, their vice president and director of, of athletics, they would say the ACC. That's why they joined it. They wanted the, the East Coast, the ACC markets uh, they felt very comfortable with that. They liked recruiting in those areas, and they've done a good job. Now they've dipped into uh, Georgia, which is, uh, I guess, Georgia Tech, but that's also SEC country with Georgia, and they've recruited real, real strongly. Kyle Hamilton, to name one, uh, out of Georgia. In a perfect world, the ACC, but in reality, it's it's the Big Ten. I don't I don't see Notre Dame aligning itself with the SEC. I don't think that they feel like they are an SEC fit academically. You know, now again, at some point, maybe all that is shot out of the water, and Notre Dame can't be high and mighty and hold themselves above, you know, the SEC and the per- the, the perception of the the football factory, so to speak. But um, I think Big Ten is it. I think that's what Notre Dame will shoot for, especially. You know, like when I think Notre Dame would like to keep their their partners in terms of, of rivalries on the football field, and USC is the biggest one of those. And with USC joining the Big Ten, you know that allows them to to uh, negotiate something with the Big Ten where they can play the play USC every year like they do now, uh, home and home. Much more on Notre Dame with Tim after these messages. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. In 2020, during the COVID uh, pandemic, Notre Dame was a, a temporary member in football with the ACC. It seemed to work out well from the outside looking in. It was very strange seeing that ACC logo painted on the field, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was. What were some of the lessons learned from Notre Dame by Notre Dame uh, in that uh, temporary move? And how did that really go behind the scenes? Yeah, you know, I mean, the ACC saved Notre Dame's hide. You know, and and to a large extent, you know, I've always given credit for Jack Swarbrick telling the ACC was going to follow the path of um, the Big Ten and and Pac-12 and canceling their season. And it's always been my understanding that Jack Swarbrick told the people, the ACC, just hold tight and let a few more weeks of preseason go by. And as that happened, uh, things loosened up a little bit more for COVID. So from that standpoint, he helped. Uh, it was good for both. I mean, it was because Notre Dame made more money in that one year in ACC than than they've made. So that was that was certainly beneficial to them. But you know, I mean, I think as as Notre Dame looks at the and Notre Dame fans look at the ACC, they don't see the type of competition that they feel Notre Dame needs in order to you know thrust itself up into the the playoff contention. Now Notre Dame went to the playoffs in 2018. They went to the playoffs in 2020. So it does work for them. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But, you know, I think uh, th- this is something that we've kicked around uh, on our on our podcast is that the upper echelon of the ACC doesn't really match up to the upper echelon of the Big Ten. And if you look at the middle of the pack, it's really that way as well. So I think everything is right now is it, 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 at least long term. Again, I want to emphasize long term because I don't think the Notre Dame's in an immediate hurry to to give up their independence. But I think long term, that's what points to the Big Ten for them. I want to get into a competitive conversation here about Notre Dame because you just mentioned it with Jack Shorebrick. He, he's so heavily involved in the college football playoff and what it's going to look like in the future. And the the proposal that they were discussing last year that uh, looked like it was going to be approved, and then, of course, it didn't end up happening, and it's been kind of tabled, was that we would go to a 12-team playoff, but the thing that would be an issue potentially for, for Notre Dame was that Notre Dame as an independent would not be eligible to get a first-round bye, even if Notre Dame was the clear-cut number one team in the country, which Jack Schwarberg kind of said, hey, listen, as part of these conversations, we're okay with that. The the cynic in me sits back and goes, you're okay with it now, but when it actually happens and the emotions get involved, that's when you go, ah, man, we don't like this. Is that a something going forward, one, when we just talk about the college football playoff, that needs to be discussed and maybe tweaked uh, going forward that you've been hearing about? And then secondly, how does that maybe affect Notre Dame in the many multitude of factors into whether to join a conference? Well, I think, you know, Jack Swarbrick was at the forefront of making the concession that they would not have that first round by. Recognizing that the argument against Notre Dame is you don't have a conference game to play, and so you're one game short, and you don't have to go through the gauntlet some other teams do. He recognized that. I think Jack Swarbrick has done a really good job of acknowledging that there are some advantages that Notre Dame has uh, 
in that position. And so they had to give something back. So I think from that perspective, as long as he's the AD, I, I think that they can accept that that factor if, you know, I mean, that that hasn't been voted in. So we don't know if ultimately that's what uh, what the format will be. But we're certainly, as the conferences grow larger, there's no doubt that we're going to an expanded playoff scenario. I think it's I think it's kind of ironic because we see, you know, with a four team playoff, we see teams getting hammered, you know, on a on a regular basis in the playoffs. So if you expand it to eight and twelve, that's certainly going to happen more frequently. But that's the direction that people want to go. There's more money to be made by playing more playoff games. I find it I was going to say humorous, but I don't know. It's not humorous that these decisions seem to be made at the expense of yeah. an athlete. You know, I'm joking that, okay, USC is now going to be in the same conference as Maryland. So you're going to fly across the country on a Wednesday night uh, with no concern whatsoever for the student athlete as to what they have to go through. And I'm sure they will, you know, they'll they'll try to schedule things so that that West Coast traveling to East Coast or vice versa is done on the weekend. But you can't do that in every instance. So, yeah. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of concern about the student athlete as a, as they move forward. But 12 team playoff, I, I I think it probably goes to 12 uh, from four as as opposed to eight. I think eight is fine. Even then, you're going to have some blowout losses. But it's all about making money and access and and getting various teams, more teams in the mix. Um, so that's you know that's where we're headed. That that part's not going to change, especially as we talk about conference conference expansion. Yeah, looks like it's going to 12 teams and. Uh, Mark Keenum, the the board chairman there, told me uh, last month that he thinks they're going to have a format in place and approved by next May of 2023. So we'll see what happens. I'm interested to hear what kind of tweaks they make to that that proposal they were trying to settle on going forward. So, hey, I wanted to talk quickly about Notre Dame under Marcus Freeman. The recruiting is just off the charts. As we record this, Notre Dame is number two in the 24-7 sports composite for the 2023 recruiting class. Uh, Notre Dame always going to be an amazing spot for recruiting, but right now they are just on an absolute tear. Well, Marcus Freeman is a man possessed. And for those of us that, that, that cover the Brian Kelly era for 12 years, I mean, I, I don't want to be unfair to him. And, and I'm always the first one to say, you know, Marcus Freeman should should thank his lucky stars. He inherited a program from Brian Kelly. It's won 54 times, you know, in, in, the, in the last five years. But recruiting is, is on the upswing, there's no doubt. And that's because he puts it at the forefront of every day of his life. And Brian Kelly didn't do that. You know, for better or for worse, he still ended up winning 113 games, all-time leader in wins at Notre Dame with 113. So he had a lot of success. He played, I mean, he played for three national titles in 12 years or or at least, you know, two of the playoff uh, opportunities with the four-team format. But um, Marcus Freeman's great at recruiting and he addresses it every day and he makes his assistant coaches address it every day. And it shows. Now, when all is said and done, you know, there's a lot of five stars out there that are going to still commit to Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson and, you know, SEC teams. And as we look at it, Notre Dame's not in on that many more, you know, five-star players. So they'll level out a little bit. They're not going to finish number one, but they're probably going to finish in the top five. And that puts them in a, a, a really good spot. It takes them up to the next level. Is it better than 54 wins in five years? Well, that Marcus Freeman's going to have to prove that he's as good of a head coach on game day as Brian Kelly was. People always criticize Brian Kelly because all he did was win the games he should. That's what they would say. That's how you get into the playoffs is you win the games that you should. He did that all the time. We don't know whether Marcus Freeman can do that or not. But by doing what he's doing recruiting-wise, he's given, giving himself a pretty good chance to, to follow up with success after Brian Kelly. Well, that's going to do it this episode 
episode of the College Football Daily. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Make sure to check out Irish Illustrated. For our producer, Lance Lynn, I'm Brandon Marcello. We'll talk to you next time.